on this edition of the Iowa Business Report. That's certainly behind us and we're looking forward to the future and things are headed in the right direction. Business travel is coming back in new ways. New help to meet the challenge of reviving Iowa Main Streets. And in our business profile, we'll meet a man who gives away his financial advice. This is the Iowa Business Report for the second weekend of November 2022. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. Here is Jeff Stein. Many segments of our economy were completely shut down in March of 2020 due to the pandemic. One of those was the airline industry. Despite predictions that businesses would simply engage in remote activities going forward, it seems that business travel has rebounded. That's good news for the Eastern Iowa Airport, based in Cedar Rapids. Marty Lenz is the airport director. Certainly, no doubt about it, pandemic wreaked havoc on the entire industry. Not just CID, but every commercial airport in the state of Iowa, certainly every airport across the country, experienced tremendous downturn. So that's certainly behind us, and we're looking forward to the future, and airlines are reinvesting back into service here at CID, and things are headed in the right direction. Has the amount of business travelers recovered? You and I are talking by Zoom. Zoom became uh, popular for so many people. Have you gotten some of that back yet? Yeah, we've gotten quite a bit of it back. We're probably in the 75, 80% business traffic. And there's kind of the new term in the industry now that's out there. And maybe you've heard about it, that being leisure, where it's a blending of the business trip and leisure. So That's certainly something new within the industry where people are extending their trip either on the front end of a business trip or the back end because you're able to work remotely. So we're seeing some of that certainly play out. I do think personally, we will see Zoom and team meeting fatigue and we'll have a full recovery of business traffic. You know, I would say within the next 12 to 18 months would be my best guess in that. We hear about it at job fairs and things like that, where some of the folks that spent their maybe an internship at home online and working with their employer for that internship, we've heard firsthand how those interns want to have an in-office experience. They're not looking for an experience via Zoom. They want to have that company connection with their coworkers, learn from coworkers, and in this case, again, the internship that I'm referencing. So I do think the Zoom and the team fatigue will run its course and we'll see business traffic completely restored here in the near term. It actually surprises me that you've recovered as much as you have. Obviously, you'd like more, but it it seems that the feeling of being shut in and out of the normal routine, boy, when people felt it was safe to get out of that and get back to normal, so many of them did. Yeah, absolutely. And we've seen it with the airline response in the market where we've had investment by the carriers, you know, we were at 15 nonstop cities pre-pandemic. We're now at 16 nonstop cities. So we've had added air service. And of course, with pilot shortage, we've seen a lot of transitions away from regional jets, some of the smaller 50-seat jets. And now every one of our air carriers are operating mainline 
aircraft, Airbus aircraft 737s are very normal in the mix of service here at CID, which is great. The investment is being made by the carriers to bring that larger equipment in. And we're averaging across the board. We just had our our numbers here from September and we were averaging 90% load factors. So travel is definitely back. On the fiscal year basis, we had the second busiest year in the history of the airport with passenger traffic next to certainly 2019 was the busiest year. We see more seats coming into the market here for first quarter of 2023. So again, certainly reasons to be optimistic. The economy is strong in Eastern Iowa and all the pieces are in place to continue to see positive momentum with air service. Once again, to have it recover so quickly, obviously 2020 was a devastating year, but to have it recover so quickly, close to those record levels, and I made a comment a bit ago about a five-year plan. I have no idea what your plans are. I was just thinking that off the top of my head. But you obviously do have plans of how you have to maintain yeah. your facility, how you would grow your facility. Are you thrown off of that much, or is it just a few steps back and a couple of years delay? The best example in that is really our terminal modernization project. 2014 was phase one. We split the terminal project into four distinct phases by design. The commission did that by design so that at any disruption within the industry, the end of a project, we could stop construction, stop spending, catch our breath, let the industry react to whatever that might be. And that was some of the lessons learned through 9-11, you know, was what some of that planning discussions were at that time. We certainly never anticipated the pandemic, but we paused construction after phase three. Now we're back on track a little bit later than anticipated. But phase four is on the street for bid. We'll open bids here in December. It'll be our final modernization program. Now, the difference has changed a little bit. And that with mainline aircraft and the larger airplanes, I just refer to it simply as elbow room on the ramp. Need a little bit more spacing between the jetways, just wingtips are wider, and, and we need that space separation. And then a gatehold seating rather than, you know, 70 seat aircraft, we're seeing on average, 100-seat aircraft, and it's very common to see upwards of 150 to 170-seat aircraft on a regular basis. And so more first-class seats, more premium plus, you're able to get your carry-on bag in the overhead. You don't have to gate check it. So overall, customer experience has certainly improved with those larger airplanes. And it's put a little more pressure on the terminal, but like I said, we open bids here in December. Probably spring of 2023 is when things will really get moving project-wise. Be about a two-year construction cycle. And then our terminal will be modernized and capable of continuing to meet the demand today and certainly going into the future. So the community will be well-positioned to serve the entire region going forward. Well, speaking of the community, can you compare the facility at the Eastern Iowa Airport with other trade areas or metropolitan areas of similar size? In other words, how does the Cedar Rapids-based facility stack up versus a population center of roughly the same size in another state? Well, first, I would say it's important to know on air service that I always try to sneak this in in interviews, but you know the airlines are serving market, and it's important that the community uses the service, and we have a strong, healthy economy. So there's the no need to sneak that case. in. There's no need to sneak that in. You can state that so directly I, I because to, you know that they're not coming because it's a pretty terminal. Yeah. Uh, they're coming because there's a great business market. There's 
discretionary income for vacation travelers, and it's a great overall economy. So that's what the airlines are serving. Uh, certainly bias how our terminal would stack up with other, you know, similar size markets. I think we have a fantastic facility. We've really had great guests and comments on the facility and how bright, a lot of natural daylight that's been brought into the building. We've stuffed our concessions. So we have a fantastic high porch, full service restaurants, full security, high porches, certainly after Hayden Fry's autobiography, the high porch picnic. We've taken and blown up some really neat photos of the Hawkeye wave, and that's part of the high porch experience. And all of that by design is to really welcome new visitors that maybe have experienced or seen the wave on TV as one of the newest and best sports traditions in the nation, that we want to showcase that, that that's, you know, right here in Eastern Iowa, home of the Hawkeyes. So we celebrate that. We brought in some local food and beverage with Java House Coffee. We have outdoor patios. So folks, maybe they've been stuck in a business meeting in a conference room all day. They're getting on that flight to go home. They can enjoy a beverage, sit outside and enjoy the nice weather. The experience I think is fantastic. There's plenty of outlets. Uh, Everybody's looking for an outlet to plug in their laptop or their cell phone. We got outlets everywhere. A lot of work's gone into it. I think it's absolutely a facility that not only the region of Eastern Iowa can be proud of going in and out and welcoming their guests, whether family or business, that it sends a very positive message to the folks. You know, it's that first and last impression, but also really the state of Iowa. All of our guests, and we have a heat map, we have travelers from across the state of Iowa that use the facility here at CID. And so it's something that the entire state should take a lot of pride in. We certainly do, and um, we want to keep that momentum going. Marty Lenz is director of the Eastern Iowa Airport based in Cedar Rapids. We connected via Zoom on Thursday, November 3rd. Still to come, help for the heart of cities and towns and daring to walk a different path. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. Happy holidays, fellow Iowans. I'm Michael Swanger, owner and publisher of Iowa History Journal. Are you looking for a gift for that special Iowan on your holiday list? A gift made by Iowans for Iowans? Pick up Iowa History Journal's November-December issue at Fairway, Hy-Vee, Walmart, and Barnes & Noble. Better yet, buy them a gift subscription to Iowa History Journal and give them a gift that lasts the entire year. Visit iowahistoryjournal.com and place your order today. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa, educating, guiding, advising, and coaching Iowa businesses. Search for Advance Iowa on LinkedIn and Facebook and get more at AdvanceIowa.com. The Iowa Economic Development Authority earlier this month awarded close to a million dollars in Main Street Iowa Challenge Grants to 10 communities. They're designed to benefit local improvement projects, such as historic building rehabilitation and upper-story renovations. It's all designed to boost the vitality and economic viability of Iowa's historic main streets. The grants will provide about one-third of the total cost of these 10 projects. 
Each project must provide at least a dollar-for-dollar cash match, thereby establishing significant local support for the efforts. State officials say since the first challenge grants were awarded 20 years ago, nearly $14 million in funds have leveraged more than $67 million in private investment. The latest grants go toward projects in Coon Rapids, Manning, Marion, Nevada, Oskaloosa, Spencer, Washington, West Branch, West Union, and Woodbine. Coming up, breaking from the financial crowd. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. Imagine a fully restored 1971 VW bus. Now imagine yourself behind the wheel. Wow, groovy ride, man. It's the Camp Courageous 50th Anniversary Raffle, and someone will drive off in that classic VW bus. Go to CampCourageous.org to learn more about purchasing a ticket, raffle ticket information, and more at CampCourageous.org. That's really far out, dude. Support for the Iowa Business Report comes from the Iowa Business Council a nonpartisan nonprofit organization working to elevate Iowa's economy through leadership, research, and advocacy. Learn more and review the latest quarterly member survey by going to iowabusinesscouncil.org. In this week's business profile, we'll introduce you to Mike Finley, CMPW, which stands for Crazy Man in the Pink Wig. His mission is to provide financial literacy education that is not tied to a sales pitch. Well, the state, this legislature, as well as the governor have mandated that personal finance become an issue that is addressed in the school systems, K-12, through which I think is a positive. Uh, it's a focus right now, and of course we want to make sure that we have the right people and the right information being uh, shared with our students. Uh, the Board of Regents, State of Iowa, has also mandated that the universities provide a personal finance class. And again, I think that's a positive. Again, we need to make sure that the right people and the right information is being disseminated to our young people. Because at the end of the day, those young people are going out into the world. And we want to make sure that they have the right foundation of education on personal finance so they can make the very best decisions for themselves and their family. The caveat is that we have a whole industry called the financial services industry that is created to make basically as much money off the individual as they can. And so we have to be very careful about what we're learning and who we're learning from. So what's key here, of course, is finding independent experts, individuals who will teach without selling anything, no, no commission-based products, and making sure that the curriculum, what we're learning, is not coming from an industry that is really just trying to pull you into their clutches to sell you products. So we just have to be very careful that. I was educated by commission-based salespeople, friends who were guiding me. My friends didn't know what they were doing, so whatever they told me, now I didn't know what I was doing, and we were going down the wrong path. Uh, there's a statement I put out to many people that uh, not only do some people know little to nothing about personal finance, they know less than nothing. And what that means is what they know is wrong. 
I'd want to see exactly what they're being taught when it comes to personal finance. I would want to understand what companies, if anyone, is behind it. What are we talking about? And, and uh, for example, how are we talking about investing our money? Are we, are we using certain companies or are we simply talking about smart ways to invest your money, which should always include keeping your fees low and diversifying your assets over many different asset classes? And some of that sounds convoluted and, and challenging. It's not really that difficult. We just want to make sure that, again, we are getting the right education to guide us down the right path. Twelve years ago, as a UNI student, I started the Financial Literacy Club at UNI, and I did it because no one was teaching young people about money. And rather than complain about it, I did something about it. So this, this club was created to provide a classroom on money. And so now, 12 years later, we still continue to, the classes, the classes on money management and investing and retirement that are open to the public, anybody can attend, and everybody does. It's basically something that is created to show people how to improve their life by improving their relationship with money. The term that I use is graduate. So you can graduate to a better life. You leave the world of work and you enter a new, better world that you are able to create something special, something that is unique to you. And getting your finances in order to do that is critically important. Basically, I've had this message for a long time, which is that you have to think differently. You have to behave differently. You, you really have to be a little crazy to go down this path that I preach because many people don't. The majority of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. The majority of Americans are one accident away from possible catastrophe. At a young age, I realized that was not the path that I wanted. And so because of that, I really started thinking and behaving very differently from the crowd. Around age 45, 14 years ago, I picked up a pink wig and I made my little niece laugh. And I started to see how I could take that pink wig and show people that it's okay to be a little strange, a little crazy, a little different. By going down this path, yes, it takes some courage to walk a path that others are not walking, but it's a path that's going to lead you to a much better place. Yes, financial freedom, but most importantly, financial happiness. It's pure education. There's no sales pitch. So most of your financial education classes out there, it's just a veiled sales pitch. There's an annuity that's going to follow soon after. They're going to feed you and then sell you. That's how the whole system kind of works. And I'm here to try to warn people about that system. That system is very expensive. It costs you a lot of money. And it makes other people rich at your expense. So my goal is to provide an education to anyone who wants it without a cost so they can make the right decisions because they know what the right decisions are with this education from independent sources. Inflation should be an issue we're always concerned with. For, for many years, we haven't. We haven't thought much about it because it's been low or relatively low. And now that it's not, people start to question, well, what am I supposed to do? Well, we should always be concerned about inflation. So is your money receiving an after-inflation return that's positive? So it's called a real return on your money. 
a lot of people, and this is just one example, they find it safe to keep their money in the bank. Well, that money in the bank is not safe from inflation. There's risk in everything we do. So inflation risk is eating up your money. If you're earning half a point, 1%, 1.5% on your money, your money is not growing beyond inflation. It's shrinking beyond the inflation rate. So what we know is over time, stocks have provided by far the best return after inflation, roughly 7% beyond the inflation rate on average. And so a focus on stocks, a focus on diversification to mitigate some of your risk, and a focus on fees when investing in stocks. That's a way to help you through this inflation period, and that it will go up and down over time. And, and that's just one example of how to get your money working beyond the inflation rate. And then the other piece is the spending piece, which is in times like this, sometimes the best thing to do is just kind of hunker down. In other words, okay, let's pay off some debt. Let's save more money. Let's keep investing into a, a stock market that might be down so you're able to buy cheaper shares over time. Don't let the emotion bubble up and cause you to make some poor decisions. Stay rational in a very irrational world at times. Author and speaker Mike Finley operates under the moniker The Crazy Man in the Pink Wig. More online at crazymanpinkwig.com. He regularly holds free workshops on various financial literacy topics. Thanks to Tim Harwood of IBR affiliate KXEL for sharing that conversation from this past August with us. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. We're also found on all the major podcast distributors, 19 now in all. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa, providing business solutions and support to small to medium-sized businesses. Let's work together. More at AdvanceIowa.com and search for Advance Iowa on LinkedIn and Facebook. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at totallyiowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com.